Let's talk finance. Wouldn't it be convenient to have all your investment and retirement accounts in one spot? Yahoo Finance does just that. It consolidates your portfolio views and offers expert analysis, making it easier to manage your investments. Let's not beat around the bush. You want to grow your portfolio, fight inflation, pay off debts, and achieve financial freedom. Yahoo Finance provides the news, data, and tools to make that happen. You may think you've covered all the bases, savings, researching, and investing smartly. But to truly excel, you need Yahoo Finance in your corner. A holistic perspective is crucial for success, and Yahoo Finance ensures you have it. With a massive community of over 90 million users monthly, Yahoo Finance is here to guide you on your path to financial success. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. We all make mistakes, decisions that we regret, things we'd like to do over, like not buying Bitcoin when you first heard about it at $1. We all carry around different stresses, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. At times, therapy has helped me and my loved ones in many ways. Therapy isn't just for those who've experienced major traumas. With the right guide, you can discover effective strategies to minimize distractions and truly connect with your needs, setting the stage for a more balanced life. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched up with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge take a moment visit betterhelp.com gold today to get 10 percent off your first month that's betterhelp help.com slash gold the peter schiff show hi this is peter schiff it is wednesday march 18th 2015 Earlier today, the Fed concluded its two-day policy meeting, the FOMC meeting, and released its highly anticipated official statement. And everybody was concerned or congesturing as to whether or not the Fed would remove the word patience. And remember, the word patience has been in there ever since the Fed removed the phrase considerable time period with respect to when they would get around to raising rates something which I believe they have no intention of actually doing, but the last thing they're going to do is admit that. So they play these world games. They're going to wait a considerable period of time. They're going to be patient. And now apparently they're not going to be patient because they did remove the word patient. Although the Fed went out of its way to say that they're going to be just as patient without the word as they were with the word. In fact, in her press conference following the release of this statement, Janet Yellen said, Just because we removed the word patient doesn't mean that we're impatient. Well, what does it mean and why bother to remove it if it doesn't mean anything? In fact, if you read the entirety of the Fed statement, the Fed is more dovish now than it was before. The Fed is more concerned about the U.S. economy today than it was when the word patient was still there. So in other words, the Fed is now indicating that it will be even more patient without the word patient, than it was when they were officially patient. Well, then why take the word away in the first place? If they're still going to be patient, why not leave the word there? Again, it's all about a word game. 
The Fed wants to continue to maintain the pretense that it is advancing on its journey, that it is moving closer to a destination to which it has absolutely no intention of actually arriving, and that is raising interest rates. So it wants to continue to look like it's progressing towards that goal of normalizing policy. And the first step is going to be to raise interest rates and then, of course, to shrink its balance sheet. But she doesn't even want to take the first step on a journey that she can never complete. So she wants to maintain this fiction that it's possible. And so she had to give the markets what it wanted, right? They had to take away the word patient, but it had to signify that it was just as patient now without the word. That's exactly what they did with the considerable time period patient patient, uh, switch. But clearly, the Fed is more concerned about the economy today. They ratcheted down their growth estimates. So the, the Fed now thinks the economy is going to grow more slowly than they did when they were patient. Right? And the reality is their reductions in their estimates are not nearly as large as they should be because the growth rates are going to be much lower than these revised estimates. But I think what really should be causing people to wake up here and, and, and smell the coffee uh, when it comes to the Fed is what Janet Yellen said about the labor market. Janet Yellen said you know, in the press conference and in the official statement that the Fed is not ready to raise rates until they see improvement in the labor market. Well, haven't we already seen improvement in the labor market? I mean, what have we been seeing with all of these numbers that Wall Street has been celebrating? The February jobs number, the most recent catalyst uh, for the conclusion that the Fed was about to rate hikes in June, uh, was we created 290,000 jobs in February, more than estimate. In fact, we've been creating over 200,000 jobs a month for a year, right? And the unemployment rate went down to 5.5%. That's the lowest it's been since Obama's been president. And apparently, that's not enough for Janet Yellen because she still wants to see more improvement from here. Now, if the Fed is not satisfied with the job growth that we've had and 5.5% unemployment, if the employment market is still so weak that we can't raise interest rates from zero... I mean, we're not talking about jacking them way up. She's talking about taking them from zero to 0.25, right? The slightest increase. In fact, right now, the official Fed funds rate is 0.25. So if she moves it from 0.25 to 2.25, it's not even much of a rate increase. But she can't even do that until she sees even more improvement in the job market. Well, she's not going to see it. I mean, now... Some of the uh, Wall Street firms are now saying, well, we used to think that the Fed was going to raise rates in June when they were patient. Now that they're not impatient, we're going to push back the first rate increase till September. Why? What's going to change between June and September? If the job market is not strong enough for the Fed to act now, it's not going to be much stronger in September. In fact, it'll most likely be weaker, right? I think that the jobs numbers are going to turn around. They're the outlier. All the other economic data that we've been getting has been very weak. And I've been highlighting that on my video blogs. I've been talking about it, too, on the, uh, on the podcasts. But look at the, the numbers we got on housing this week. I mean, we got a horrible number on Monday of home builder sentiment, which took a big drop. But the biggest number was housing starts, which collapsed in February. 17% decline in housing starts. 
And this was the biggest decline in four years. It was the biggest miss versus what they were estimating in eight years. Now, everybody was blaming it on the weather. Well, first of all, we had cold weather. People knew that when they were making their estimates. So why didn't they build the cold weather into the estimates, which were seasonally adjusted anyway? But also, we're talking about a huge collapse this February over last February. And by the way, it snowed last February too. We had horrible weather in February in 2014. In fact, it might have been worse. That was the polar vortex. We had uh, first quarter GDP of negative 2% the first quarter in 2014. So is this quarter that much worse than that quarter? I mean, could it really be the weather when you're comparing one bad winter to another bad winter and it's still a big drop? And also look at the drop out west. Uh, um, real, the uh, building starts were down 18% in the west. They didn't have any problems with the weather out in California. So this is not weather related when it's across the board and when it's a big magnitude like this. But look, this is just one of the most recent string of negative economic uh, indicators. They have something called the Economic Surprise Index. And the way they get that index is they, they look at all the economic numbers that come out, right? And they compare what was released to what was expected because there's all kinds of forecasts Analysts say, we think the number is going to be X, we think it's going to be Y, and either it beats X or Y or, or, or it misses. And this uh, uh, surprise index keeps track of misses versus beats. And the index right now is the most negative it's been, I think, in a decade, maybe ever. I mean, I think it might be the worst start to a year for this index in memory or since they began uh, compiling the index, which means that the data keeps on disappointing the forecasts. And obviously, the Fed has got to be disappointed, too. And if the Fed wasn't able to raise interest rates in the past, remember, this is six years in a recovery. How are they going to raise them now? If the labor market isn't strong enough now, why will it be strong enough in the future? I mean, even if we continue this trend of people leaving the labor force and accepting part-time jobs instead of full-time jobs, why is that going to change the Fed's mindset? If they can't raise now... When are they going to raise? That's what people have to understand, that it doesn't matter what the non-farm payroll numbers are. It doesn't matter what the unemployment rate is. The Fed can't raise rates. I mean, they could, but they can't, not without piercing the bubble that they've inflated and bringing about a financial crisis worse than 2008. That's what nobody seems to understand. They want to credit the Fed for saving the economy. They haven't saved us from anything. They've sealed our fate. The minute they went down this path of quantitative easing and 0% interest rates, they sealed our fate. There is no way out of this. You cannot turn off the monetary spigots, right? You know, you can't take away this punch bowl. You can't take away all the monetary heroin and expect the party to end well, right? This is going to be a disaster. They have covered up the problems, all of the economic imbalances that caused, that led to the 2008 financial crisis. Instead of solving those problems, we exacerbated them. The Fed made all those problems bigger, so they loom larger than ever. And so the crisis in our future will be much worse than the one in our past. See, people think we have a legitimate recovery. We don't. If we did, the Fed would have already raised interest rates years ago. In fact, Janet Yellen said that even at this mythical point in the future, when the Fed may in fact raise rates, she said that she's still going to keep them a lot lower than they should be. Why? I mean, why do we have to keep interest rates artificially low? If the economy is really recovering, why does it still need to be stimulated? Six years into a recovery, right? 
because it's all artificial. You can't take it away. There is now so much debt. We're so much more levered up than we've ever been that we need these drugs more than ever. And I think just diminishing the dose is going to bring us into recession. See, as weak as the economy is, we're teetering on the brink of recession. If the Fed raised rates, they would push us over the edge. But I think just the mere absence of QE3 is enough to bring us into recession because we need those drugs. And I think the air is already coming out of the bubble. That's why it's deflating. That's why the U.S. economy is accelerating so rapidly. That's why these numbers are coming out so bad. And it's only a matter of time before the jobs numbers catch up to everything else because they're the outlier. All the other information is bad. Everybody is waiting for the other economic data to, to, to improve to reflect the strong jobs data. What's more likely is the jobs data is going gonna, is gonna to come down to reflect all the other data, right? That's what's giving you a better picture of the economy. You know, meanwhile, the dollars had this huge run up on the anticipation of uh, rate hikes on this false belief in this legitimate U.S. recovery and tighter monetary policy. Now, they got a small taste today when Janet Yellen, um, you know, inserted this dovish tone into her statement where she she took out the word patience, but really put it right back in again without putting it in because she indicated that the Fed is going to be more patient now that they've removed the word than they were when they still had it in there. But I think as big a reaction as the dollar had negative today, and this was the biggest drop in the dollar in years, the dollar lost about 3% of its value across the board. Gold was up not much, 20 bucks. Oil was up a couple of dollars. But I think had Janet Yellen left the word patient in there, it probably would have been even worse for the dollar uh, because that might have indicated that the Fed was even more concerned uh, than, than, than they're letting on to be. But they are trying to, again, maintain this pretense that they're progressing towards some kind of end game, right? their exit strategy, which they don't have. I've said many times that it's far more likely that the Fed will launch QE4 then raise interest rates. And of course, that's what's going to happen. While she's waiting for the labor market to improve to some ideal level that she can't really quantify, but she'll know it when she sees it, but we're not there yet. While she's waiting for that, something is going to happen, and that's going to be recession and a reversal, where now the unemployment rate starts to move up. We start to destroy non-farm payroll jobs. And then what is she going to do? She's already said, we're not going to raise rates until the unemployment, until the labor market gets even better than it is now. Well, what happens if it gets worse? Well, then, of course, the rate hikes are off the table indefinitely. And if it does get worse and we go back into recession, what is the Fed going to do? Do nothing? No, of course not. They are going to do QE4. They, I mean, they've had that card up their sleeve the whole time. They're just not letting everybody know it's up there. They're bluffing that they're going to do something else. And they're trying to maintain this pretense as long as they can. And they bought themselves a lot of time. In fact, The big rally in the dollar means that the dollar has a long way to fall now before there's a real currency crisis. And I believe it's a long way down when people start connecting these dots, when they put two and two together and realize that the box the Fed is in. Now, the Fed has also said that if inflation gets to 2%, well, then they might raise interest rates then too. That's not true. That's a lie. I don't care how high the official inflation rate gets. Yellen's not going to budge. Remember, she had that same you know, a line in the sand that she drew on unemployment. Initially, if unemployment got below 6.5%, that was when she was going to raise rates. Well, we're 5.5%, and it's still not good enough. They're still not raising rates. They're still waiting. So if they cross that line in the sand, they're going to cross the inflation line. And in fact, that's the goal that they're likely to hit. 
And it's not going to improve the economy, the fact that the cost of living is going up. But we're going to get above 2% inflation. We're going to get way above 2% inflation. And the Fed isn't going to do anything about it with respect to interest rates. The Fed is not going to raise interest rates until the markets leave it no choice. Until there is an all-out currency crisis. Until the dollar is collapsed. Not just surrenders the ill-gotten gains of the last year. But it's going to have to be much, much lower than that. It's going to have to be in free fall. And that's when the Fed is going to act. Of course, it's going to be too late to save the economy from you know, an economic Armageddon that will make the 2008 financial crisis look like a Sunday school picnic. But that is what is in our future. And also, I think what is going to be happening that is going to send the foreign exchange markets you know, in, 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 into a tailspin or tizzy or whatever, is that when the dollar turns, that's what's going to unleash commodity prices. Oil prices will come back up. Other commodity prices that were falling based on the anticipation of rate hikes, right, when they realize that they're going to get QE4, right? If you thought QE1 or 2 did a number in the commodity market, where do you see QE4? And when these commodity prices really start to surge, they're not just going to surge in dollars. They're going to surge in all these currencies. And then all these countries and all these central banks around the world that jumped to the wrong conclusion, that saw this drop in commodity crisis and panic and said, oh my God, deflation, what are we going to do? right? And then they cut interest rates because they wanted more inflation. They're going to get more than they bargained for. And so I think a lot of these central banks around the world, you know, 20 some odd central banks have cut interest rates here in 2015. Probably by 2016, those same central banks are going to be hiking rates to put out the inflationary fires that they lit on purpose. But the one central bank that won't be doing that or one of is the Fed. They're going to be doing QE4. So the markets have it asked backwards. They've positioned themselves for a tight Fed where the Fed is the only central bank tightening and everybody else is cutting. What's probably going to happen is everybody else is going to be raising rates and we're going to be doing QE4. And what happens to the U.S. dollar in that environment? It falls through the floor. And then the party comes to an end. Then the Fed can't pretend anymore. How high can the inflation rate get and the Fed still maintain some semblance of credibility Uh, if it doesn't try to raise rates. And of course, when it tries to raise rates, a quarter point's not going to cut it, right? Remember, Russia just had to jack interest rates up to 17% not too long ago to save the ruble. Paul Volcker had to raise interest rates near 20% to save the dollar in 1980. Well, the dollar's in a lot more trouble today than it was then. The U.S. economy is in much more trouble today than it is then, and it might take a much higher rate of interest than 20% to save the dollar. Of course, we can't afford 20%. We can't afford 10%. Janet Yellen doesn't even think we can afford a quarter of a percent because she's keeping rates at zero no matter what. So we are headed for a huge day of reckoning. The fact that that day of reckoning has been delayed for so many years because so many people still don't understand the predicament that we're in, because we've been able to borrow so much more money and spend it and and speculate with it over these years, right? That hasn't stopped it from coming. That just means that there's that much more to reckon with. And I think it's that much more important for people who understand this, right? Who have been patiently waiting, right? While other people have been chasing bubbles and buying dollars, you know, our strategy is to hold on to real assets, to foreign assets, foreign stocks, precious metals. The fact that we've had to wait so many extra years for the payday, in my mind, it means that the payday is going to be that much bigger because we had to wait so much longer to receive it because all of the economic imbalances, all of the problems that caused me to adopt the investment strategy that I did are now worse than ever. None of the problems have been solved by the Fed policy. They've been exacerbated. 
and they are going to blow up. There's a limit to how long the Fed can restrain these market forces. They're going to try as long as they can, but you can't fool all the people all the time. Now, maybe people will wake up. Maybe the fact that the Fed has said what it said in this statement, right? Maybe some light bulbs will go off somewhere. People will, will connect these dots and realize, wait a minute, if they can't raise rates now, when can they ever raise rates? And if the U.S. economy is already decelerating, maybe going into recession, and we've finished an entire business cycle and rates have been at zero from start to finish, this is the new normal. There are no rate hikes, right? There's another round of QE. And if we have QE4, how do you know it's not going to be QE5? You know, I did this uh, interview the other day on CBC, and they said to me, well, Peter, well, how do you know they're going to do QE4? Why would they do QE4? Well, why'd they do QE3? It's going to be for the same reason. I mean, people are acting as if there's no chance that they could do QE4. Well, what if the U.S. economy is going back into recession? I mean, this recovery is six years old. That's longer than the average recovery. So we could be headed to recession. There's a lot of indicators that are flashing recession is coming. So why would it be so crazy to think that we're going to get one? And what would the Fed do? I mean, rates are at zero. So what's their stimulus? How are they going to get us out of the next recession? QE4, that's the only card up their sleeve. That's all they got. The only hour in their quiver. Of course, it doesn't work. It's never worked. What would work is a free market-led restructuring of the economy, a real recovery that unfortunately would be very painful. It's not that I'm I'm looking forward to the pain. It's unfortunately necessary, right? Just like, you know, medicine sometimes tastes bad. Sometimes it tastes horrible. That doesn't mean it's not going to work. And that doesn't mean you shouldn't swallow it just because it tastes bad. You got to, you know, swallow it and, and deal with it because that's what's going to cure you. And the only thing that's going to cure this economy is a legitimate recession where the Fed stays out of it, where the Fed lets interest rates go up and lets companies fail, right? Let's banks fail. Let's asset prices come down. Let debt go into default. Let debt restructure. I mean, we have so much debt in this country. It's better to restructure it and default on some of it than try to inflate it away. But the Fed is trying to go down the politically expedient path. But unfortunately, it's not going to be able to do that. You know, the short-term nature of this debt and the, the, the size of these financial markets and these currency markets, it, 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 the Fed is not going to get the rosy outcome that, that it desires. You know, you always hope for a miracle. That's what they asked Bernie Madoff. Uh, you know, hey, you know, why did you keep doing this? I mean, what was your strategy? What was your end game? He was just hoping for a miracle. He was hoping that, you know, eventually it would just work its way out. That's the Fed is just hoping to throw a Hail Mary that somehow if they can just delay the inevitable long enough that the inevitable won't happen, that some miracle will happen to save us. Well, it didn't work out for Bernie Madoff. It's not going to work out for the U.S. economy. It's not going to work out for the Fed. Uh, The day of reckoning is going to come. Maybe, maybe the beginning of the end was today. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe the dollar has one more rally left in it. I don't know. Market timing is very difficult to do. It's harder to trade. But this dollar rally, if it hasn't already ended, it will end and it will end with a bang. And then it will collapse because it's a long way down. And I think the people who are trying to maybe finesse this or maybe trying to get into the dollar because it's been strong, most likely they'll be trapped in it when it collapses. I think the best thing to do is stay the course. When you understand how the game is going to end, right, you play for the end game. Don't play for all of the short-term swings because nobody is really smart enough uh, to trade them. Maybe some people are, or maybe some people think they are, but most people learn the lesson the hard way. The lessons that I've learned is when you understand the end game, stick to your strategy and ride it out and have the last laugh.
right? You know, bubbles often make you uh, decide, you know, between or you choose between when you want to look like a fool. Do you want to look like a fool before the bubbles pop or do you want to look like a fool after the bubble pop? I always choose looking like a fool before it pops because I want to have the last laugh after it pops because I think the people that look foolish during the formation of a bubble, they walk away with all the money. The people that look like geniuses during the bubble and they find out what fools they really were after the bubble, they go home broke. Anyway, that's it for today. Remember, a lot is going on uh, in the markets and I'm doing a lot more of my podcasts than I am my video blog. So if you're just watching the Shift Report uh, on YouTube, uh, you're missing most of what I have to say. So make sure and check out my podcasts. I generally do two or three of them per week. You can get them, you can see them on the YouTube channel, but you can go to Shift Radio or any place they have podcasts. Uh, you can download them, iTunes or a number of different places. You can load them up, listen to them in your car while you're driving. And I'm sure I'm going to have a lot to say in the days and weeks ahead. This story is only just beginning, so stay tuned. <music> Hello, this is Peter Schiff. I bet you didn't know that without silver, you wouldn't be hearing this podcast right now or be able to use a computer at all. From laptops to smartphones to TVs to speakers, virtually all modern electronics use silver to conduct electricity. Did you know that the average solar panel uses two-thirds of an ounce of silver to function? And the solar industry is expanding dramatically, not just in America, but in booming developing nations like China and India. Silver is naturally antibacterial and is used extensively in modern medicine. Silver coatings are being added to breathing tubes, bandages, catheters, and other medical instruments to reduce the spread of infections. When antibiotics fail, silver still works. I believe the 21st century will be the century of silver. As fiat currencies continue to collapse and new uses are found for silver every day, the white metal strong industrial demand and low per ounce price will make it increasingly attractive to savers around the world. At today's prices, people of any age and background can afford to buy some silver. Learn why silver is a smart and reliable investment in my free special report, The Powerful Case for Silver. Visit shiftsilver.com and download it now. The powerful case for silver includes information about silver's amazing chemical properties. It also explains why I believe silver may outperform gold in the coming years. Download the powerful case for silver and educate yourself, your friends, and your family about the white metal. Just visit shiftsilver.com to download my free report. That's shiftsilver.com.